Hello, and welcome to Shear Jeshub, a Bible study program brought to you by the fellowship of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. We're so glad that you will be spending the next quarter of an hour with us as we search the scriptures for God's truth. My name is Patty Scalzo, and my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, has been teaching a study series on heavenly authority. We are in the section on the priests and the Levites, and last time Greg spoke about the Day of Atonement when the high priest would enter into the most holy place of the tabernacle. For review, let me reread where we left off the study in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. So now, let's join Pastor Greg as he continues his Sunday sermon. So in front of that veil, there's the altar of incense, and he takes a censer filled with some of the incense there, and he brings it in, and some of the coals from the fire, and he brings it before him as he goes behind the veil, that it would cover the presence of God, lest he sees the presence of God, and he dies. And then in verse 16, So he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle a meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And again, it's because of sin that these things need to be done. For repentance, for confessing, to make atonement, that these things need to be done. And he brings the blood of the sacrifices into the most holy place, or the holy of holies, and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat. And then he sprinkles some of the blood of the sacrifices on the altar of incense and in that tabernacle. And he makes atonement for the tabernacle. Now remember we mentioned the two goats. Only one of those goats was killed and part of the sacrifices that were made that day. The other one you read in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions, again, repentance, confessing, concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and he shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear in itself all the iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Then down to verse 26, Aaron has to wash, and then it says, and he who released the goat, the man that released the goat as a scapegoat, shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterwards he may come into the camp. So the washing, again, the procedure of washing as a sign of washing away 
the sin. And we know that in the New Testament as baptism, repentance, confessing, taking and laying the sin upon this innocent substitute, the transfer of guilt, the complete removal of guilt from their midst to take it outside the camp. The probable meaning of the word in the Hebrew that we translate scapegoat probably means the goat of departure, far removed, going far away, to take the sin away. And you notice that you need two to do it. One dies and one goes on out and takes the sin out of the camp. When it's fulfilled in Messiah, you just need one because he dies, but then he's also resurrected. So those two goats are symbolic of the scapegoat ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, that he would take our sins upon himself and take them far from us. But notice now it's only one day a year, and only the high priest can enter the most holy place. In verse 29, it says in Leviticus 16, This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. You shall afflict your souls, you shall humble yourselves. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you. You rest in this work that's being done for you. Even as we rest in the work, we Shabbat, we Sabbath in the work that Jesus does for us. And you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place, this is the high priest, shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, that he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting, and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests, and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins once a year, and he did as the Lord commanded. It's an everlasting statute. This is how they were to have the Day of Atonement at that tabernacle, at that tent of meeting. And how important atonement was to be forgiven of sins, to have the sins taken far away into the wilderness, to be cleansed of the sins, to have an innocent substitute die in our place, this little animal, this lamb, this goat, this bull. And how clearly then when Messiah comes, he fulfills these things, and these things no longer apply for Christians. The tabernacle is not there. But how clearly Messiah fulfills these things as he is our atonement. He is the one that takes our sins away. In Leviticus, throughout Leviticus, there's a sacrifice, and there's a repentance, and there's a confessing of sin, and the laying on of sin onto this innocent substitute. That seventh month is Tishra. Um, that's the month roughly corresponding to mid-September to mid 
October. So it was the 10th day of Tishra, which is the first month on the civil calendar. This might be confusing when you read through the Old Testament. Tishra, mid-September to mid-October, is the first month on the civil calendar. That's why Rosh Hashanah, the new year, falls in that month. And that's the month that the Day of Atonement falls in, on the 10th day. But it's the seventh month, that's why it says in the seventh month, of the religious or sacred calendar. And that calendar starts with Nisan, the month of the Passover. The Lord says this will be to you as your first month for sacred purposes, for religious purposes, the month that roughly corresponds to March, April, becomes the first month, and so Tishra, which is the first month in the civil calendar, with the new year, the Rosh Hashanah, becomes the seventh month on the religious calendar. Right, March, April, April, May, May, June, June, July, July, August, August, September, September, October. That becomes the seventh month on the religious calendar. Okay. Let's, let's look briefly at the Levites and go back. The Levites are descendants of Levi, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And let's start with Levi himself. Levi is the third son of Jacob and Leah. And we want to look particularly at the incident at Shechem. So we go back to Genesis chapter 33 and verse 18 to the incident that happens at Shechem. Chapter 33, verse 18, Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. This is around central Palestine. And when he came from Paddan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought the parcel, he purchased the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Eloi Yisrael, the God, the God of Israel. So not only is there the city of Shechem, but the leader, Hamor, one of his sons, is also named Shechem. In chapter 34, verse 1, now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, so this would be the full sister of Levi. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the doors of the land, to meet them. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the Hivite or Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her, and violated or defiled her. He humbled her, the word means. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah. His soul literally clung to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, now his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, 
went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. So you have a terrible sin here. And the sin is being done to the full sister of Levi and Simeon. And they're angry. And they're rightfully angry. It was a disgraceful thing, a thing that ought not to be done, the scriptures say. We're going to see here now how Jacob confronted with this awful thing that's happened to his daughter. And the young man obviously loves her, or he's taken with her, he wants her as his wife. Given the culture of his day, Jacob is looking to make a peaceful resolution to a bad situation. He's trying to make it all come out okay. But his sons, especially Levi and Simeon, are burning with anger over the sin of Shechem. Unfortunately, we will have to break off our study at this point, but we'll continue to look at Levi's response next time. Remember, if you would like to write to us, or if you would like to help support our church's Bible study outreach, please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, please join us for Sunday service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. Take I-95 to exit 61 in Madison. Go down to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shear Jeshub.